and welcome to today's episode of the Yet Again podcast. I'm Joe, the editor of Yet Again and today's host. So I'm here with Barnabas Bailinch, who's one of our brilliant writers at Yet Again, to discuss one of his pieces, Children's Drawings of the Genocide in Darfur. Hi, Barnabas. Good morning. So your piece, Children's Drawings of the Genocide in Darfur, that's currently on our website. But for, for our listeners that perhaps haven't read it, do you want to explain what it is? Yes, of course. So um, my article uh, takes uh, a springboard from a set of drawings uh, made by a group of children aged between 6 and 18 in refugee camps fleeing from the Darfur genocide. Uh, and they, these drawings depict what happens to their villages. So they're incredibly moving for portraits for what they show about life during the genocide in Darfur. Now, this is a genocide that has been going on since 2003, when, uh, when rebel movements in Sudan attacked the Sudanese government. Uh, and in response, the government uh, set out uh, Arab militias known as Janjaweed, or uh, in, in English, devils on horseback is the literal translation. Uh, and these Janjaweed militias attacked black Africans in Darfur, uh, as the rebels were mainly consisted of people from that ethnic group. Uh, since then, so for the last 12 years and even longer, um, the Janjaweed have been using slash and burn tactics by which air support from the military will bomb um, black African villages in Darfur. Uh, they'll set them on fire and then the Janjaweed will move in um, on foot or on horseback or on cars uh, and they go around through these villages um, raping and murdering those who are there. Uh, since then, there have been over 400 villages destroyed, thousands have been killed, 2.7 million people um, displaced in camps across Darfur, uh, and in the latest estimates from the United Nations, over 4.7 million people are still affected by this genocide, and that is people who are being denied their basic human rights uh, and who are relying on humanitarian aid in order to survive. So this is perhaps one of the hardest pieces uh, most people will have had to come across because of this idea of viewing genocide through a child's eyes. Um, what was the inspiration for you to write this piece and actually look at these drawings in some detail? So I had the incredible honour of being able to view some of these drawings when Waging Peace, the organisation, the humanitarian um, aid organisation that campaigns against genocide in Darfur, brought them back to the UK and started sharing them with people. Uh, at the time I was uh, with the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust uh, with their youth programme uh, and they arranged for us to see these drawings and meet some of the people from Waging Peace who had been working on them. Uh, and it's inc they're incredibly moving pictures. It's, it's wonderful that we've got some of them on the Yet Again website along with the article so that people can see. But seeing those firsthand through that youth programme was incredibly moving. And of course, I've met, I've had the, the privilege of meeting Holocaust survivors through the work I've done with the Holocaust Educational Trust. And a lot of the survivors that we speak to were very young during the Holocaust. And so to be able to then see what young people going through genocide in the contemporary world today have been doing, have been drawing, and the way they've been reacting to their process and working through that trauma was a really fascinating thing to see uh, and so I, I was really inspired to, to look at this more and to write about it for yet again so that hopefully I'll be able to share that with other people 
uh, and they'll also be able to see um, something incredible and, and really quite harrowing uh, ways that young people have worked through the, the horrific genocide. So this is perhaps um, a more obscure way of really gathering testimony of a genocide. How do you think um, drawings such as these actually contribute to that catalogue of testimony we now have of this genocide? That's a, a, a brilliant point um, and it's, it's very true. So the, a lot of the young people, as I said, some of them were as young as six years old. They're not really the people that we generally think of when we think of witnesses to genocide. Yet these people really are. They've seen firsthand and through these drawings, they are able to give their testimony. In fact, uh, sometimes, including with these drawings, they are giving their testimony in a legal court of law. So these, uh, a selection of the drawings were included as contextual evidence for the International Criminal Courts Tribunal on the genocide in Darfur uh, back, I believe, in 2006 or 2007. Right. So having looked at these drawings and sort of looked at the genocide more widely, what do you think is really the biggest takeaway when we look at these drawings? I think looking at these drawings, the, the biggest thing that strikes me personally, and, and I think it strikes a lot of people, is the age. Uh, these are young people who have been through horrendous experiences and the way they show us through their lens of youth, what they, what they saw, what they encountered and what they lived through is, is really quite something. So for example, just to, to, to pull up a few examples, people in these drawings, the Janjaweed are often shown, they're drawn as physically bigger than villagers. Um, and they're, they're also often on, on horseback or on the top of cars, whereas the villagers are, are standing or running on the ground. And so the, the physical difference that young people have used to show between big and small echoes these ideas of power uh, and uh, the, the, the power that the Janjaweed had over their, their families and their villages. And so it's really interesting to see young people putting across those themes um, almost subconsciously in these, in these drawings. Um, and so it's really interesting to see how the young people doing these drawings have used these, these spatial, these um, gendered and these figurative ways to show the power and what was, was really an overcoming experience for, for people coming to the village with, with an incredibly bad intent. The one thing I will add for all of our listeners is that when we do release this podcast, please do check out our social media channels because we will be sharing Barnabas's article and these drawings as well. So you can go and find these drawings at, when you are listening to this podcast. And that's all at, at yet again, UK on all socials, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So I'd like to take this a bit more wide now when we look at the drawings and I know something that struck me most when, you know, you proposed this idea to us and we first saw these drawings is sort of the relatability. You know, I, I automatically thought back to when I was a kid and I come home with some really rubbish drawing that my mum would love and put on the fridge. But obviously this is an entirely different scenario and there is an element of innocence to them as well. Um, do you think that is perhaps one of the most striking aspects of this, this idea of innocence amongst genocide? Very much so. And it actually goes back 
all the way to the um, the beginning of these drawings and to how they themselves were created. Uh, the the researcher that went for waging peace, who went to these camps, these refugee camps, went there to interview the parents. She went there to interview the adults who had survived the genocide. Those were the people she was interested in. And so when she came up against the children, she actually gave them these crayons and, and paper, generally to, to, to keep them out of the way whilst they were being interviewed. And so that, I think, is an incredibly peaceful. Everyone expected the innocence that you spoke about. They didn't expect this to be um, to be really deep and really meaningful uh, pieces. They they almost did expect them to be the things that you would put on your fridge at home. But they're they're exactly they're far from it. Um, and I think that is, as you said, something else that's that's very powerful. That we can relate to them, but also that we see a medium, the, the crayons and the paper, a medium that we are so used to seeing in our everyday lives and in our own childhoods, and we see it used for a completely different purpose and used for a purpose that is indeed incredibly profound. So these drawings, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, were discovered in 2007. Um, and since then, obviously, the way we've looked at testimony has changed do you think the way perhaps nationally or internationally we now view the Darfuri genocide is different in some way quite possibly um it's so these drawings as you say were, were made in 2007 and they were brought back to the uk uh, and at first they, uh, they, they they were spread around only a small amount um since then waging peace have created copies of the drawings and those can now be posted out to, uh, to groups that want to run exhibitions with them up and down the country. Uh, and as well, many of them have been posted on the website. Uh, recently, only, only, in the, only within the last few years, the drawings actually were donated to the Wiener Holocaust Library in London, uh, which of course is the, uh, the UK archive of um, mainly of Nazi um, material, of material about the, the genocide um, during the Second World War, the Holocaust, and of course, of the um, Roma Sinti uh, homosexuals um, and other groups. Uh, but then also since since then, it has collected a lot of details about other genocides. And so it's, it's really a, a mark about how we're developing to really recognize genocides like the genocide in Dutchburg, that these drawings can be included within their holdings uh, and can really become a part of that and can now be researched by um, researchers, by students, by academics, um, by, by the media and by the public in the reading rooms there. Acceptance um, about the Darfur genocide and bigger awareness about what is going on. Uh, we've seen that a lot in recent years that, that genocide is becoming an increasingly debated and discussed topic. I think you've actually raised a really important point there because particularly with Darfur when we think about sort of the sequence of events um, there was significant delay internationally before there was this sort of widespread recognition that this is in fact a genocide and requires intervention. Um, do you think now that we have these drawings and we're really starting to see it's not just adults or those who are able to testify in a court but just those who are simply there, their experiences deserve to be heard 
Um, and if we make that effort, we may well recognise genocide far sooner than we currently are. I would, I would certainly hope so. Um, it is, you know, we, we do need to note that these, these drawings were made in 2007 and the Darfur genocide is still going on today in 2020. Um, so these, these things do work incredibly slowly and there is still much to do. Um, I'm not going to, to pretend that everything is, is solved now that, um, now that things like this are, are publicly known about, there's, there's still a long way to go. Uh, but certainly looking at the individual stories, looking at the individual um, histories and testimonies of people who have been through events like genocide, like the Holocaust, um, like the genocide in Darfur, they're ones that we can really grow from, we can really develop, we can learn a lot about their experiences, about what it means to be in that genocide, to be in that situation that none of us would ever imagine and we hope we'll never be, be faced with. And so yes, drawings like this, but also meeting with survivors, listening to their testimonies, hearing about what they say and what they can say about how they've lived their lives, and the changes that they've overgone from, um, from coming from a different country, building their life again in the UK, uh, and the reaction there. There is, a, there is a long story that we can really learn from, and that will tell us a lot about the genocide, yes, but also about their, their lives as a human being. Um, at, at the centre of genocide is the destruction of a group of people. And so by looking at these testimonies, in fact, by looking at some of the drawings as well, we can get a glimpse of what life in those communities is like. Some of the drawings, although albeit a minority, um, actually do show life before the genocide. So the, the, the flourishing cultural life in their villages. Um, and those are as important as the ones that show about the genocide because they show what was lost um, we, only, we can only truly understand the power um, and the, the destructive influence of a genocide if we understand the community that was there before it. And so looking into that, both in terms of these drawings, but also in terms of when you're meeting survivors of the Holocaust or of the genocide, asking them what their cultural life was like before the genocide, how they lived with other people, it can sometimes seem as if it's not the thing that we want to be talking about when, when you're comparing, when you're talking about a genocide and suddenly you start to ask, well, what was it like at school? What was, what was your daily life like? Did you enjoy playing in the fields or in the deserts? But things like this show us what was then taken away. And equally then afterwards, working out how people have been able to rebuild their lives afterwards. The theme for Holocaust Memorial Day 2021, which is coming up very soon, is to be the light in the darkness. And so it, it surely certainly is by understanding what people have done since genocide, the ways they've rebuilt their lives, the ways they have persisted on and proved that the genocide in the end was unsuccessful in destroying everyone, is how they themselves are the light, how they themselves rebuild and recover. Absolutely. Now, these drawings were, as you've already mentioned, some years ago. Do we know anything about the author of these drawings, where they are today? Sadly, I'm, I'm aware of very little information. Of course, these are, these are children's drawings, um, so a, a lot of detail about them does need to be protected. 
uh, the genocide is ongoing. So in fact, um, if you if you are to Google these drawings, you will find the story of the researcher um, under a pseudonym. Um, so we don't even know the real name of the researcher who, who went and collected these drawings. And so unfortunately, very little is known about where the people still are. Of course, as I mentioned, the United Nations does estimate that 4.7 million people are still impacted uh, and 2.7 of those are in displaced persons camps. So unfortunately, it's probably quite a likelihood that many of the people who did these drawings um, back in 2007 are still in those camps. Uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm not, of course, an expert on that. So I'm afraid I would, I would suggest uh, approaching someone at Waging Peace or looking things up there because they will have more up-to-date information uh, about what's what's going on in, on the ground. Okay, and coming close to the time, so I'll ask one final question is, with your piece, what message do you have? I mean, you may have already covered it, but what message would you have for anyone reading your piece now? I think my main message to anyone reading the piece would be to, to really encourage them to understand genocide as a human process. It's something that impacts uh, normal people in living their normal lives just like you and me. That's the one thing that really comes across strong when you look at these drawings because you see something, as you've said, Joe, that's a, a drawing that we can all relate to in our childhoods. Uh, doing something like that is a performative aspect. And so when we think about that, we can really understand the the fact that these are individual humans when we're looking at genocide it's very easy to think about that's something happening far away to another group of people looking at these drawings seeing the humanity in those and and the child in that really brings it home and so i hope that people reading the piece really reflect on that uh, and reflect on how young people have experienced genocide in a way that is is profoundly um really rather depressing um and uh, and hopefully that will will spur them on to to recognize the human loss um, and and understand that that human experience barnabas thank you and for all our listeners if you would like to read barnabas's piece it's currently on our website that's www.yetagainuk.com and we have all of our pieces uploaded weekly on there you can also follow us on our social media which is at yet again uk on instagram twitter and facebook and um, thank you to all of our listeners and until next time this has been yet again thank you